Let's just pray this morning. Father, God, we love you so very much. God, we thank you for your good news, that blessed hope, God, that your soon coming return. God, we give you praise, honor, and glory today, God, as we look into your word. God, we that are here and alive and remain. God, that we will be meeting in the air, God, soon and very soon. God, we just thank you, Lord God. We pray over the next few moments, God, as we enter into the Word. God, that you would sharpen our hearts, our minds. God, that we would be stirred up, ready for your soon return with anticipation, eagerness, and longing, O God, that we would be a church spotless and ready. God, that Jesus Christ will be established finally, once and for all, King of kings, Lord of lords. Every knee will bow, tongue confess of who He really is. Somebody said, Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Appreciate our worship team this morning. Been listening to that song all week and uh, just excited that they played it this morning. And even this morning, I believe God uh, is just um, so very moved for His church. And I just felt the Holy Spirit, uh, even in prayer over the service this morning, just, you know, it's uh, as if... When you take your child away from you for a long period of time, and there is a, a, a joyful tears that would be a soon anticipation that you get to see them again. And I feel like that's what the Holy Spirit has for us today. Just a, a, a joyful, it's not a, it's a, it's a, it's a tears, but it's not a, a sad, it's a, it's a happy, uh, but it's so moving. And I, I feel like that's over the sermon this morning, and I... Uh, I hope to do that justice. But let's pray. Uh, God, be over this sermon. Be over these next few moments. God, that we give it to you. That God, that you would just stir up your church, God, because I believe you're so moved uh, in anticipation to, to truly be with uh, one of your children. And God, we know that uh, the word says that precious in the sight of the God is, is, is the death of your saints. And that, that must translate over to the, the soon rapture, God, that it will be such a precious day where you get to be united with each one of us, God, and you are so longing to be with your children. May we be a church that's longing as well to be with you. Amen. Uh, this, uh, this morning we're continuing our series of God's Last Day Forecast. We've been doing this for a couple of weeks and in, in our Sunday nights as well. And in, if you haven't been here, I'd encourage you to go online to our website and, and listen to the last few messages in our Sunday night teaching. We'll be doing a deeper teaching tonight on the rapture. Uh, and talking about a, uh, uh, different things about uh, what the Bible says about the rapture and what is pre-tribulation and post-tribulation views and, and uh, what does the Jewish wedding have to do with the rapture. We're just going to kind of dig in that tonight. It's going to be awesome. You really do not want to miss some special teaching tonight. We are bring, bringing some things out. But this morning, message is entitled, uh, Extra Virgin Oil. Uh, extra virgin oil, olive oil, extra virgin oil this morning. And uh, uh, we're talking about the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. If you've got your Bible with me this morning, talk, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. It's uh, no secret this morning that many so-called Christians uh, in the world today uh, are struggling. And, and, and the churches, many in our churches, they are struggling. And I wonder... If we could look back and if uh, we could go into the first century world today or the, the first century Christianity, uh, the Christians of the first century could come into us today, if they would look at uh, our churches and look at the status of the church in America today, and could they even recognize what Christianity looks like? Could they even recognize it as the same thing that they had 
following the upper room? Would they, would they think that it's so foreign that so many of our churches can just go through the motions or that, that we could have a, a service where we never feel the presence of God or that there's not this fire, this eagerness, this stirring up of a church that is so much sooner to Jesus' second coming than they were? I mean, uh, and so today it's, I, I think perhaps if we look at the, the church and see a sleeping church in the, first, uh, in the 21st century today, perhaps really the key uh, reason is that we are no longer excited about the soon second coming of the Lord. Uh, and as a result, you're going to see, and we see that so many churches have grown ineffective in their witnesses. So many believers really aren't effective powerhouse witnesses uh, fanning the flames of revival in them that they s- simply are just Christian on their T-shirt, their bumper sticker, they go to church, but yet there's not this, this groaning for the things of God and this, this bounce in their steps and this overcoming victory in their life. And, and they're in and then they're out and they're up and they're down. But perhaps it's because we're not really focusing on the entirety of the gospel message, which is that Jesus came, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross for our sins, and that he rose from the dead on the third day. But there's a second, there's the last step in there, that he is soon coming to return, that he is a a coming king. And you can't have a whole gospel message without the return of Jesus Christ. That's That's the end. And so let's look at this morning. You, we know that for the last 2,000 years that Jesus is coming back. Psalms prophesied it uh, 100 years in advance that he'd be crucified. Micah told us 700 years uh, beforehand that he would be born. Isaiah told us that he would suffer uh, and, and have a ministry on this earth uh, 700 years earlier. Even Zechariah told us 500 years before that he would come in on a donkey and that he would be betrayed. So when you see that all the prophecies have been fulfilled for his first coming, and that when Jesus Christ himself says, I am coming back, you better take that to the bank. That it's, it's happened before, he's come once, and he said he's coming again, and it's going to happen. But, but my question this morning, as we get into our text, is really this. He is coming soon, but what if it takes a while? What if it takes a while? Uh, what does the church need in these last days if Christ delays his return? He is coming, but what if he is not as, uh, what if he delays just for a few more years or a few more days or a few more decades? What do you and I need to persevere in these last days? And you know, we're eager for his coming, but there's an extreme danger for a church and Christians who are unprepared to make it, to wait to endure and, and make it through the long hauls. What happens to a church unprepared to wait? You know, today, uh, I know uh, it's so very true. Every single one of us, we go through seasons of darkness, dark times. Man, you don't have to go far. You don't have to go but a few weeks. Probably something's going to happen in your life, and you're going to be upset about it or, or whatever, or something that happens in our family. Man, we all go through dark seasons. There's going to be times in our life where it seems like this is the longest period I've ever gone through that whether it be a a death in our family, whether it be uh, we lose our jobs, whether it be there's problems with our kids or problems in our marriage, or it seems like we can't get our finances in order, or it just seems like everything in the world is going wrong and it seems like it's just darkness around us. And in those moments, you know, it's so very easy to feel like I just need to check. I just need a break. Anybody ever feel that way? about me. You just, you just need a break, right? Uh, I just feel like, man, I don't, I just need to take it, take a step back. I need to loosen up some responsibility. I need to kind of 
just get by just for a minute. I don't have the strength, God, to really push in like the pastor wants or that they're talking about. I just really just need to just be here. And we're going to talk about this morning because if we get to those, we all will get there. And we get to those seasons where, you know, I just need some me time, God. I don't feel like reading my word. I, I really don't have the, the, the feeling over me to pray or I really didn't feel like going to church today, God. We all go through those seasons. But my question to you is this. What if Jesus comes while you're sleeping? What if Jesus comes while you're taking a break? And if you are sure that Jesus won't come today, are you sure that you have what it takes in you to make it till tomorrow? Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. The kingdom of heaven will be compared or comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and they went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were prudent or wise. And for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil and flasks along with their lamps. Now, while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are, are going out. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going on their way to make the purchase, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, Jesus said, for you do not know the day nor the hour. I'll give you some background here before we go into this this morning, the Jewish wedding. Uh, typically, uh, typically a, a young man, a Jewish man, would, would be uh, engaged. And we're going to really get into this tonight, so I'm not going to spill it all or listen to it online if you're not able to be here tonight. But a Jewish man would be engaged to a woman about 12 months, about a year. And during that year, he would be preparing himself a place for her, a home. And during that year, she would be preparing herself all of the garments and the, the sewing her wedding dress and getting all those things prepared that the ladies do. Uh, and there would be a date set, a general time, a general, a general season. We know it'll be about a year from now. We'll get married, honey. Uh, but there wouldn't be an exact time or, or an hour set. And uh, we would sit, they would send out uh, invitations and they would say, we will invite you to the wedding of uh, so-and-so. Uh, but then you would know, again, the general season, the general time. But right before, they would normally give out the, invi- uh, they give out the invitations. Right before the wedding, they would, invitations, again, would be set out. They would tell them, today is the day. We're going to get married today. Uh, and the invited guests would come, and they would be ready. And they would have oil uh, and a lamp. And it's a lot like this little pottery jar I'm holding here in my hands this morning. It's a little uh, oil lamp, and you put your olive oil in it, and you would burn it a little wick that you would stick inside of it. And it would be like your flashlight. And our job, if we are the invited guests, was to go out into the streets. And so the groom would be in his father's house, and the bride would be at her father's house. And so we would line the way between the two houses and hold our little uh, candles, our little uh, torches. Sometimes they'd have a big torch, as well as this little uh, uh, clay pot that I'm holding in my hand. Uh, and he would go, and he would, uh, they would tell the bride in advance that uh, with a shout of a shofar and a, an announcement that he was coming. And she would get in together with things, but sometimes she's not always ready. How many know, wives, husbands, 
Woman's not always ready, guys, when you are. Your hair, some of us have a lot less than she does, right? And so, uh, so it might take him a minute to get her and everything together. Remember, she's moving into a whole new house. How do you know? She's probably bringing some stuff with her, right? They got the pots, and the, I don't know what she had. But basically, he's got to wait. So he, a lot of times, he, so he's surprising the woman. It's never good to surprise your wife, husbands, is Valentine's Day advice. Never good to surprise your wife with a trip to somewhere nice unless you've prepared all the things for her to get ready and give her the time to do that. Because if you tell her, hey, we're going to go somewhere really nice to eat, and she comes home and she's just got, not got it all done, right, she's going to want some time <laughs> to get it all ready, Okay. Amen. That's wisdom right there. So he goes, he tells her, they're coming. He's coming. She gets there. He's waiting. Well, we're out here standing in the street. It's midnight. The whole town's asleep. I'm getting tired. We had a long day at work. We didn't even know this wedding was going to be here today. I had all many things I was going to do. So we're standing here with our oil, and these people begin to fall asleep. And at that moment, he comes back with his bride through the town, and that's the story that you have today. So there's a little background, okay? All right, so who are these people in this? And I'm going to give you some, uh, some uh, teaching here, and we're going to get into our sermon. But these ten virgins, Jews signed contracts with ten virgins, or ten, sorry, ten witnesses. These ten virgins represent the ten witnesses of the bridegroom. And for us today, that means it represents the witnesses of Jesus Christ. The ten virgins here in this uh, parable tonight, or this morning, represents the church of God. We are here on this earth to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. And, and they're holding in their hand, they're, they're eagerly anticipating, one, that he is coming back. So we're a witness eagerly anticipating that the groom is coming back uh, this way, and we're going to follow him into the wedding feast and go uh, to be with him in paradise for eternity. That's, that's the, the symbolism. But they're also holding these ten lamps and these ten torches, and they represent the oil, the oil of the Holy Spirit. The Bible repeatedly talks about oil in the Old Testament being uh, the oil of gladness, the joy, the Spirit of God that was poured about uh, even on the priests, anointing them full of the Holy Spirit. And so we are the Spirit-filled church burning in this world in the dark days, because it's 12 o'clock midnight, and we know that the hour is still very, very near. And this is where we are this morning in this parable. There's, there's ten virgins, the ten witnesses, there's ten lamps, each one given uh, the light of God to light up the dark, to be ready for His appearing. And then we are a spirit-filled church, lights of the world. And our chief concern is to be devoted to the bridegroom, keeping our lamps lit. That's our one job. We are to there shine the light for Jesus. Amen? That'll preach. That's the, the goal of the church in this parable. But there's something happens here. So this man, he's stuck waiting on his woman to finish getting ready. And it's past 12 a.m. And it says they all fell asleep. Not just some. They all fell asleep. You know, today, while there is yet revival going around around this world, there's so many sleepy saints. So many sleepy saints. It's not just uh, bad Christians. There are good Christians, man, anointed people, people who God wants to use, who have a mighty testimony, a mighty word, yet not using their gifts, yet not fired up with the flame of God, yet sleeping, even though the bridegroom is coming. It says they all fell asleep because it took longer than expected. What if Jesus Christ delays a few more years? Do you have what it takes to keep on burning the light of the gospel for Jesus Christ. 
If he delays a little while longer, what happens when the last day's church falls asleep? What happens if he doesn't come soon as we expect? And what happens as the, day, the days grow darker and the time gets later and it's getting more and more that all the people of the world are asleep and no one is aware of what's going on here and all these people who've been invited to this guest, what happens when they all grow tired and weary and well-doing of good things? You see, in this parable, there are two categories of Christians because this is actually just for the church this morning. There are two categories that Jesus divides his last day's church. They are the ones, and they are all asleep at the moment. In this parable, he defines them all in two categories. As the midnight cry comes, they all wake up and they begin to trim the wicks, but something's not right because there is a category between the foolish and the wise. This groom, he delays, but he comes quickly. He comes in this hurry, and five of them, uh, uh, they all stirred up. They're, oh my gosh, he's coming. He's here. Let's get ready. And so they begin to get things together. And they begin to put the, uh, refuel their lamps that had gone out. And they had gone brighter at the very beginning. But now they're down to, to about right there, perhaps. And so they're saying, okay, let's trim the wicks. They're, let's cut off the wicks up. Let's, let's get it going. And five of them realize we've run out of oil. Five of them brought extra in a little flask, and they begin to pour it in. Another five, they begin to say, well, I'm empty. What's going on here? He's coming. I'm not going to have enough for the journey to the feast. So they run to the store, and they miss. As he comes by, they've run away to go get their refill. And the, the Bible says that the, basically the bouncer, you know, we have parties with bouncers now in this world, but the bouncer locks the door. And in order to be invited to this feast, you had to have followed the bride procession and have that lamp lit. And he says he locks the door to keep uninvited people out. And he says, I don't even know who you are. We lock the door to the wedding feast. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 24, be on the alert for you do not know which the day your Lord is coming. And Jesus said it again in Matthew 7. He says, not everyone who will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Not every person in the church today is going to make heaven. That's what we're learning. There are those today who make no provision for what is to come. They've accepted God's invitation, an altar call perhaps, or in a Bible study, or in their own closet. They've showed an outward profession of faith. They've even done some acts of purity to put away some things from the world. I'm going to turn off those movies. I'm going to do this or that. I'm going to begin to pay my tithes. I'm going to begin to change the way I talk. But still, something is not right. Something is still missing. And even though they begin to, these, these bride, these virgins were invited to the guests. No doubt they had their uh, nice wedding clothes on and they had their lamps bright at one time and it was, it was burning brightly uh, early in the evening. And there are those that in the church today who, who have taken off the clothes of this world and they've, they've put on Christ and they filled their cups up with the Holy Spirit and they're burning brightly. But as the night is getting darker and the day is getting longer and the times are getting fading away and as Christ is delaying, it finally comes to the end where finally they've run out of oil. They slide into this spiritual slumber and the Bible says when they've grown faint and weary, what happens if the bridegroom comes? Church, what happens if you begin to give up? What happens if Jesus comes when you begin to take a break? What happens if Jesus comes and, and you've let your spiritual fervor slide out and you don't even realize it, but it's gone? 
that there's nothing there. You think about Samson in, uh, in the Bible. He didn't even know. As he, he knew the Spirit of the Lord had upon him, but he did not know when it had departed from him, and he woke up to find himself in bondage, blinded by the enemy. I think about uh, sometimes when we... Uh, if you've ever had car trouble or, or four-wheeler trouble. We live in the South, right? So I can use this illustration. But there's a, a few times where my four-wheeler really didn't want to start. And so finally when I got it started and I began to go out into the woods and we're miles away from anywhere, you know one thing I did not do? Turn that four-wheeler off. Because once you turn a car on that you don't know if it's going to make it all the way, you try to even not even stop at the stop signs, right? You're going to just make sure nobody's coming. I'm not going to stop because if I stop, this thing might die and I'm going to be stranded out here. And I think sometimes the same thing is true. Church, it's not time to stop. It's not time to throw in the towel, to give up, to take a break. It's time to keep on going, keep on burning, keep your lamp lit and full because Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. It's not time to turn the engine off. Uh, you may have had enough of the Holy Spirit burning in the past, and you may, maybe in the past have been able to declare God's Word today, but do you have enough remaining in your vial to delay, or if, in case Jesus delays a few more hours, a few more days? How is your supply? I'm going to give you five things this morning of what the church needs to do or the church needs to have if Christ delays. What does the church need? If Christ delays, number one is wake up. You know, these are dark days and life is not easy. In fact, uh, we know in the Bible we're promised uh, tribulation and trial. We're promised death. We're promised people would hate us. We've, we've been promised a very difficult time at this last day's church of us. We, that's, that's, the good, that's part of the good news, right? That's part of the gospel message. The world groans under the curse of sin. It's only going to get worse. Politicians are only going to get less Christian. Come on. Uh, the world is only going to get less prayer in school. The world's not going to, they're going to begin to hate us even more. They're going to have more and more separation from the values and the things that we hold on. Those things should be expected, church. But as the night gets darker, how's your lamp being lit? As the night gets darker and everyone else in the world is asleep and the dark days are surrounding you and it feels like, I don't know, God, if I can keep on going in this season of life that I'm in. I don't know if I have what it takes, God. What's going on in your spirit? You know, the wise Christian is the one who is not only eagerly anticipating Christ's soon return, but they are the one who is prepared for a long delay. The wise witnesses and virgins in this parable... They were prepared for a long delay. They were eagerly anticipating. They were prepared for a long delay. Number one, the thing we must do today as the last day's church is wake up. Wake up. There was a cry that was given that said the bridegroom is coming and that stirred them up. It woke them up. We talked about this last Sunday night. There has got to be a stirring in this last day's church that wakes us up to see our redemption is drawing near. The signs, we sung this song, the signs of the times are appearing everywhere. There, we don't need any other prophecies to be fulfilled for Jesus to come back. That there needs to be a stirring, a last great awakening, and it's happening all across the world. A great revival of souls. Millions today are being saved in Africa and China. Uh, uh, I mean, talking millions at a time, thousands at a time are coming to altar calls every week, getting saved in a lot of these third world countries. Uh, you won't hear about it on the news. You won't see about it in any broadcast. But there's a little town even in China. There are 500 people are coming every week into this, uh, these churches and just getting saved because God is just moving. There's a stirring going. There's an awakening going on. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 
4 says this, But you are not in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. You know what? You're in the darkness and dark times. But you and your mind and your heart are not in the dark about these things. He says, So don't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. So we don't belong to darkness and night. You know, if you're going through that season right now, let me just tell you, that season you're in today is not your home. That darkness you're going through today is just a temporary situation. That trouble you're having in your life right now, that's not something that you're going to remain in for eternity. That's just a passing moment. That's just a passing through. And he says, you're not, you don't belong to this what you're going through in your life right now. And you're not a part of it. You're a child of light. He says, so be on your guard. Don't sleep like the others sleep. Stay alert and clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers drink. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing the helmet as the confidence of our salvation. (laughs) Many Christians are still sleeping today. Man, their zeal has left. Their flame has burned out, and they had it perhaps at one day in their life. I love what one author says. He says, we will either be prepared for Christ's return, or we will fail to take the gospel message seriously. We will either be prepared for Christ's return, or we will fail to take the gospel message seriously. The last part of the gospel message is that Jesus Christ is coming. Yes, he died. Yes, he rose again, but he's coming. He's coming. I'm going to tell you something. Number one is to wake up. You know what? This parable tells us that all ten woke up. So apparently, stirring myself up, apparently if God would move in our hearts today and every person who calls Sanctuary Family Worship Center home would stir up, would wake up, it still might not be enough because they all woke up but they all didn't make it in. Let's look a little deeper. Well, perhaps the second thing we need, number two, is to trim the wicks. They all woke up, and it says that they all began to trim their wicks. Uh, The Yankee Candle Company tells us that uh, keeping a candle wick trimmed helps control and and limit the amount of fuel. I don't know if you guys know this or not. Uh, but by keeping the amount of fuel limited, and there's even a measurement per size of the candle, and about an eighth or a quarter of an inch should what your wick be, uh, it limits the fuel that is consumed and pulled up through that wick. And it cuts off the, uh, the carbon that was there before, and, and that flame begins to create an ideal combustion where carbon is absorbed by the flame, and it produces a lot less soot, and it burns a lot longer. There is a time for trimming the wicks. And the Bible uh, repeatedly talks about that we must circumcise our hearts. We must tear off some things. We must trim away the fat, if you will, and get to the meat and say, God, there are things in my life that I know is not right. God, I'm, I'm waking up. I'm stirred. And to get this candle flame burning, and if it's burnt on the end, sometimes we have to cut off some things. If I want God to move in my life again, perhaps if I've been asleep for a while, and I've been kind of just going through the motions of church and Christianity and just 
playing the good guy or the good girl, but I know really there deep down inside there's things in my life that really aren't on a fire for God. And I could be really examining my heart. I could say, well, there is a sleepy part of me here, and I really haven't been eagerly and impassioned. And and, and if I could talk to a first century Christian today, he and I or she and I may really not have a whole lot in common and their zeal for the Lord and my zeal for the Lord. And if I really compared my life to the Apostle Paul or Peter who were really ready to die and believe Jesus was coming back in my lifetime and look how much they accomplished, I could say to myself, wow, Heath, there really needs to be some trimming away of some things. And if I begin to do that and cut it away, that flame begins to come back. That, that, the, the Greek word for trim or cut the wick here is the Greek word literally for beautify. You know, it's a beautiful thing to God when you begin to prepare your heart for His heart. When you begin to make yourself ready to make your witness beautiful, cutting away. How do you endure? It's the trimming of that wick that's going to make your candle burn longer and brighter. You say, God, how can I endure some of these things? He's like, I need you to cut away some things in your life. Do you trust me with that? Do you trust me with this? Can I really have that unforgiveness? Can I really have your finances? Can I really have the places you're going? Can I really have that devotional time in the morning? Can I really have uh, your faith to step out and take that big risk when I call you to do that? Are there things in your life that you've still yet holding on to that I'm trying to cut away? Because if you begin to cut away things in your life, you're going to begin to burn brighter and you're going to begin to burn longer. Romans chapter 13 verse 11 tells us, do this. Do this, knowing the time that is already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep. He says, for now salvation is nearer than even when you first believed, and the night is almost gone, and the the day is near, and let us lay aside the deeds of darkness. Let's cut those things away, and let's put on the armor of light. He says, let us behave properly as in the day, and, and you know, Sometimes it's like there's darkness all around, but I just really need to pretend it's still daytime. I really need to pretend that, God, everything is okay, and and Lord, I know that you're with me. And he says, let us behave properly as if the day when the world is uh, caressing and, and, and drunkenness, and they're doing sexual promiscuity and sensuality, and they're striving, and they have jealousy. Verse 14, he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provisions for the flesh flesh in regards to its lusts. It says, in that darkest hour, cut away the wick, let your light shine, and whatever the world is doing, don't have any part of it. Let you be God in let God be God in you. And it doesn't matter what everything is happening around you, wake up, put off the flesh, put on Christ and your love for one another. Let it shine. However, they all woke up. They all trimmed their wicks. They still didn't make it. What's going on here, church? We can have a last day's revival. We can have a great, we can bring Brother Tim Todd back for another good revival service. We can get, wake up. We can say, God, I'm putting this sin away. God, I'm doing this or that. And we still may not make it to the last day. Why is that? What's going on here? What, what are we missing here? God, we woke up. God, we're awake. God, we, we cut away sin in our life. They did not keep full. Number three, we wake up, we trim the wicks. Number three, the things that we must do as a last day's church to make and be aware of his second coming, be ready, is number three, we must keep on keeping full. 
All ten were in error not to keep awake. All ten didn't do their job. But it was the chief error of the five who didn't count the cost to buy extra oil in advance. They didn't have access to this constant supply of God. And the Bible tells us this oil for gladness, that this oil is the Holy Spirit, as I said before. And, you know, in uh, the Old Testament, there was a golden lampstand, a big, huge golden lampstand in the tabernacle in Moses' day. And uh, uh, God commanded Aaron and the priests to continually keep that lamp full. And it had to be full of oil, and it had to burn throughout the night. And we learn, what, what is this symbolism? What's the symbolism of God keeping full of this oil and this, and the, this burning light? And we look in Zechariah uh, chapter 4, I believe, uh, and it's telling us that, uh, chapter 4, verse 6, that it's to remind Israel that it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The victory in your life, the overcoming, conquering king coming through your life, the, the tr- uh, overcoming these dark seasons, these trials in your life is not going to be coming because you can do it on your own. It's not going to be coming because you can figure it out. You can say, God, I'm going to put this away. I'm going to put that away. I'm going to be a Christian in these dark days. And I'm going uh, I'm I'm to wake up, God, and I'm going to cut sin on my life. You know what? That may not be enough just to not be like the world in the last days. It may not be enough just to say, God, I'm not going to watch those TV shows with all that profanity and that nudity and all that homosexuality. God, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm going to go to church every Sunday with my family. God, I'm going to uh, put all these things away. God, I'm not going to wear the, 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 things, the things the world wears or act like the things the world. Those things may not be enough because even the Pharisees were able to do those things on the days of Jesus. There's something uniquely special about this verse that says, God is saying it's not about what you are doing, it's about what I am doing through you. You've got to realize that the relationship you have with God is a spiritual relationship. It's not something that you're doing on your own. It's not by works you're going to be saved. It's not by cutting away and and putting all kinds of laws and religiousness on yourself and and not watching movies and not cussing and drinking and all these things. You can put away all the things you want. But unless you have a fullness of the Holy Spirit burning bright within you, you're not going to make it, church. No one is going to make it unless they have a fullness of, of the Holy Spirit. It's by the Spirit of God. God is reminding us today that the victory that you need in your life is only going to come because you're in His Spirit. It's only going to come. You're not going to figure out that complex problem in your job or your family or your relationship or that thing you're going through in your life. You can't figure it out. It's not going to anything. You have no control over fixing things in this world. It's by the Spirit of God It's by having a constant supply of the Holy Spirit to endure these last days. It's having that new spiritual life walking within you and burning within you. It's about having the fruits of the Holy Spirit, that love, that joy, that peace, that patience, that that is manifesting through you the character of Jesus Christ. It's not about dead faith or empty works, but it's about a people who are saying, God, I'm willing to count the cost in advance. Whatever I've got to do, God, I want to get down on my knees. I'm going to get in my prayer closet. I'm going to get full of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to stay full because it's not about what I can do, God. It's about what you can do through me. It's about having this relationship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells us in Luke 14, church, we've got to count the cost before we really, really are willing to become a, a follower of Jesus Christ because it's going to cost us everything. And I don't know, wives, you can get on your husbands. How many people have this, and don't raise your hand, how many people have this mentality when you get down low on empty, you're, you're that kind of person that thinks, you know, I can make it. I, I think I can make it. I can make it to Alexandria. I can, I can make it to Monroe. I think I've got enough. I think I've got enough. I think we can do it. 
And no anybody in your family is in the back row. They don't have near as much faith in you as you do, right? Uh, uh, you know, they have this rule, and I think it's a good rule, that when you get to a half a tank, you better fill up. That's a good rule to have, and that's the rule I live by. When I get to a half a tank, I'm going to the gas station because you never know what might happen, and you never know what you're going to do. Chris is a trucker. You don't ever know, Chris, what's going to happen. And so you want to be continually full, continually filled up. Don't let it go down to empty. Stay full. You never know how long it might take for you to get through that season that you're in in your life. You can't take a break from your prayer closet. You can't take a break from your Bible reading. It's not about the works. It's about this deep relationship with the Holy Spirit that say, God, I've got to be full today because I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You don't know what trials and tribulations are waiting for you tomorrow when you go to work or school. That God, help us not to be a, a, a get down to empty and then get filled back up mentality. But God, I just want to keep on being full. Ephesians 5.18 tells us to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And the last part, look at this, and, they, and it says, keep full, keep full. These, these, good, vir- these good witnesses, these, these virgins, uh, they weren't saying, they didn't have this mentality like, I think I got enough of Jesus. I think I got it. I think I'm going to make it. I think I'm doing all right. They didn't, they wouldn't have that. They were like, God, I need you. Every hour, I need you. The good old ham. It wasn't a, oh, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I think we've made this. We go to church. We're doing all right. Yeah, I'm a good guy. My family's good. Everything's good. Thank you, brother. Let's see you tomorrow, next Sunday, you know. And I was like, God, I'm so desperate for you. God, man, I need you. God, I can't do it without you. God, I can't even get through another week without you. God, I can't even get through another day without you. Because I got to get on my knees every day and say, God, fill me up. Fill me up, God, because I'm not going to make it. I don't know what's going to come tomorrow, God. I've got to have you. Because there's coming a day when Jesus comes and these foolish Christians over here and the wise Christians over here and the foolish are looking to the wise and they're saying, hey, can you just pour a little bit of that on me? You know, you ever seen those, you just, you know, holy people, you know, and you just kind of like, I just want to get a little closer, you know, sit next to sister so-and-so because she can shout, you know, or I want to get a little of that rubbed off on me. At the end of the day, you got to get it for you. You got to get it for you. These virgins, they want to say, hey, let me borrow some of your supply. When you can't get the anointing of your pastor. You can't go to a spirit-filled church and, and think it's going to rub off on you and get you into heaven. I'm telling you what, it's about you and Jesus getting in that prayer closet, getting in that secret place, and getting the Holy Spirit poured out on you in front of nobody. Not in front of me, not in front of this church. If you can't shout and sing and dance in your own prayer closet, you probably shouldn't be doing it in the church. Come on. If we can't get on our knees and say, God, I need you. Galatians tells us that each one of us has to bear his own load, that we will be judged according to the fullness and the category of our own heart and our own works, that you and you alone must be filled each day by the Holy Spirit. Keep waking up. Keep alert. Keep your wicks trimmed. But the most important thing, even after doing all that, you must keep full of a spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. And then what you can do, number four, let your light shine. Even the foolish burn brightly for a little while, one author says, but eventually their flame died. Jesus is the light of the world, and our light is the knowledge of Christ, and our light is this gospel message, this good works of His that are shining through us. And have you ever been in the dark when your batteries and your flashlight begin to go out? Yeah, I have a story about that. My wife and I were in 
northeast Louisiana years ago, and I may have shared this before, but we began to go out with my cousin on these little, he had a, a mini version of a Razor, you know, it was, it was a Chinese clown car in my opinion, but anyway, it was what it was. Uh, we all crammed in there and got out and, you know, 10 miles from nowhere in the middle of Cottonmouth City and, uh, you know, uh, they have bears and everything else a little bit farther north of us and, and hogs and everything, and all of a sudden, that, that headlight just didn't seem like it was as bright as it was before. And little by little, he's like, my spotlight, you know, ain't really working. And uh, we were out in the middle of nowhere. Alternator dies. Have you ever been in the dark when the batteries die, when the lights go out? Miles from anywhere. God, I don't know how I got here. God, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, I, I, I'm empty. I don't know if I can make this. I don't know if I can do this. Thank God he had a cell phone. He called his dad. He came in that Ford truck and got us out. You have a father in heaven who is willing to fill you up and pick you back up. And when your lights go out and your supply runs dry, you have all, all of us have those times where we feel empty and it seems like, man, it's just so much easier just to give up. Man, it's so much easier just to, just to take a break. God, I just need, I need to... Man, what if Jesus comes when you're sleeping? And are you sure, are you really sure you have enough to make it through tomorrow? Ephesians chapter 5 says that you were formerly in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And the fruit of this light consists in all goodness, all righteousness and truth. And he says, for this reason, I'll tell you today, my final verse this evening, this morning. Awake, sleeper. Rise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. And therefore, be careful how you walk today, but not as unwise men, but wise men. Making the most of your time, because these days, yes, they're evil, but do not be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk with wine, and that's dissipation, but be continually filled with the Spirit. And the last thing we do as a church is rejoice. Because you know what? There's good news. In these dark days, you and I are headed to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He is coming. And it is a time to be rejoicing. I can think about those, those, those women. They're excited. Because just in a little while, He's going to come by. And man, He's got some good food at His house. Man, it's going to be a week-long celebration. And we are going to be in Him. And He is going to be in us. And man, it is just going to be the party of a lifetime. And let we be a church that is awake, that has trimmed our wicks, but more importantly, be a church that is full of the Holy Spirit and saying, God, I'm shining brightly for you. God, I'm lighting up the dark for you. God, I'm excited that you're coming. And Lord, I'm awake, I'm ready, and I'm filled up. Worship team, would you come? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Don't, don't turn off that engine. Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep on being full. Father God, I just pray today well, that you would just be with every person under the sound of my voice, God, that no matter what they're going through, whatever dark season, whatever dark time, whatever dark situation, it seems like, God, that it's been so long since they've seen you, since they've felt you, but God, let them not give up or give in. God, I pray you'd stir us up, wake us up, 
Let us trim away the things of this world. But God, most importantly, realize it's not by our might. It's not by our power. But God, it's by your spirit. Lord, that we will be full, that we will be enduring. God, that we can keep on keeping on no matter how dark or how hard it gets. And Lord, that we would be shining brightly, the brightest light in this dark and evil world today, God. And along the way, while we're waiting for you, God, may we be rejoicing even in tribulation because we have the light of the world. God, because you are soon coming and because we have the victory in Jesus Christ that light has cast out the dark. Let us not be ignorant or foolish, God, because, Lord, this is a church. You're talking to your church today. You are so eagerly anticipating, God, our return, our union in the air. You're longing for us. May we be longing for you. Father, I pray here today, Lord, if there's someone in the sound of my voice, God, who's, who's got things in their life that's caused them to go to slumber, God, that's, that's, uh, Lord, it's, it's building up. It's like that charcoal just building up on that lamp, on that, on that wick, God, and it's just like this blackness has overcome them, God. I pray today, Lord, as, and then before we believe, in this place, God, before we leave this place, God, that you're going to trim some things away from them. You're going to cut some things away from them. They're going to make a decision to cut some things away. They're going to make a decision this morning to wake up, to stir themselves up, because they realize this is the end. This is the last days, God. Lord, and there, more importantly, there is a group of people here today that, that they may have stirred a bit, and they got, they're, they're working on it, and they, they're doing good religious works, God, and they're, they're, they're putting away things out of their life, and they don't look or sound like the world, but God, they really don't have what it takes to endure much longer, and their light has been getting dimmer and dimmer. And God, they're, they're desiring this morning to get fuller, to get brighter, to be able to last longer. And God, you're going to begin to pour out on them an extra amount of the Holy Spirit. You're going to begin to pour out on them extra measure of the Holy Spirit because it's a free gift given to those who ask. And Lord, that we don't have to go buy it, but God, you would freely give it. And Lord, that we would shine brighter. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm in the first category. I'm in the group who, who I just need to wake up. Maybe you're not even saved here today. God has a special invitation to the wedding for you. And you say, God, I want to answer that invitation. How many here today and say, that's me, Pastor. I really need to get my life right with God. I want peace with God. I want to answer that call to make sure I really know where I'm going in eternity. Thank you. Anybody else here today? You say, that's me. I need peace with God. I want to, I want to be saved. I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord, my Savior, my friend. Hallelujah, Lord God. Yes, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Bible says that we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us. And that when we turn from our sin, more than just a profession, but it's a life decision, a direction we're headed, we are saved because we love Him with all of our heart. We begin to grow in that love. And even though we make mistakes and we trip up here and again, we're in a love relationship with Him. And it's because we've made a commitment to keep on keeping, to keep on trying, to keep on moving forward. That's salvation. And so if you would make that declaration in your heart and you would say, Jesus... I love you so very much. I believe in who you are, that you are the Christ Messiah, soon coming King, and that you have died for me on the cross. I give my life to you to enter into relationship, a covenant relationship with you, God, that it would take me deeper. And I know you forgive me for all my sins, and I accept that, Lord, through the, your blood. And Lord, help me to live and fill me with the Holy Spirit that I might live the rest of my days in right relationship with you. 
you have that heart's desire, that's your cry. You confess that cry before other people, and you believe it in your heart. You are saved. It's so very easy, so very easy to be saved. But it's a hard road to walk. And so may we count the cost today. And perhaps you're here today and say, that's me, Pastor Heath. There are things I need to count the cost on and trim the wicks up on. I'm getting a little sloppy here. I'm ready to clean up my act a little bit. There are things in my life I just, either attitudes, personalities, maybe there's just been some negativity, some gossip, or, or just maybe just be a, uh, just a general sense of, God, I just need to cut some things off in my life. I don't know what it is, but I feel like there's just darkness overcoming me and, and my attitude or my personality or just even the way I, I act and think. God, I'm ready to just shake it off this morning. How many would just raise your hand and say, that's me, I'm in that camp. Amen. Several hands. Yes, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Father God, I pray for these individuals today, God. Lord, right now, if that's you, you just begin to tell the Lord secretly to yourself what those things are. And we just begin to acknowledge them and and say, God, these are the things in my life I need to get cut off. And Lord, I pray every single one of us, God, right now, we just begin to examine our hearts and say, God, I, I know I'm with you. I know I'm awake and with you, but God, I need to trim up my life. I need to get my act together. And God, say, Lord, I want to be ready, purified, spotless for your soon return. So, Father, forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me, fill me with your Holy Spirit, and Lord, I'm ready to move forward in you. And most importantly is the last one. How many people here today would say, Pastor Heath,